was told the rabble came in the second service. It's such an honour and privilege to stand before you this morning and to share from God's Word to you all. Um, I'm a sort of nervous person. I'm a shy person. I like to say keep in the background normally. And, um, but um, when I was about 20, a, a group of us left the church I was at to go and form and plant a new church in a town up the road in Stone in Staffordshire. And my best friend spoke to me and he gave me some words of advice which I always remember every time I stand before God's people. And that was this. He said, I said to him, I don't know if I'm so nervous, I'm so shaky. He said, don't worry, Clive. If God can speak to Balaam through an ass, he can certainly use you. (laughs) So I always remember those words and we just trust that God will speak to us this morning. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is quick and powerful and can transform lives. Lord, we ask as we're here this morning that you will speak into our situation. If we need to be challenged, challenge us. If we need to be encouraged, encourage us. Lord, we don't mind what you do in our lives this morning, but whatever you do, Lord, just speak to us this morning. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Bible heroes. Bible heroes. You know, the thing about Bible heroes, when we look at the Bible, we see that God uses ordinary people, people like you and me, to do extraordinary things. We can learn so much from the characters and stories of the Bible. And the reason we can do that is because God hasn't changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And mankind hasn't changed. The same nature that's in you and me was in, the same, was in those characters in the Bible all those years ago. So God hasn't changed. God's dealings with mankind hasn't changed. And people haven't changed. That's why when we look at the Bible, we identify with the people who are there. We think, yes, I'm just like that. And yes, I've got that character. So bear that in mind as we look at these characters we're going to look at today. Bear in mind that, and, and think, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my situation? I want us to go right back in history. We're going back well before the time of Christ. If you remember, God chose Abraham, and through Abraham, he birthed a nation. And that nation was taken into captivity, into Egypt, and through that great leadership of Moses, they left the bondage and slavery and servitude in Egypt, and they were taken along the road. And they went into the wilderness, and they had to learn lessons there. And while they were there, um, they, they were there 40 years, and God taught them many things about his character and his nature. And then under Joshua, they entered into that land of promise, the promised land that God had promised to Abraham all those years before. And they entered into the land, but they failed to do the one thing that God told them to do, and that was to take possession of it and not to allow the nations round about to, to stay there because he didn't want their influence dragging them away from their worship and service of him. And this is the period called the period of the, it's the book of Judges that we're looking at today. And it's Judges chapter 6. At this time, God didn't have, this time, God's people didn't have a king ruling over them. God was their king. God was their governor. He was their protector and their leader. And God's intention from his people then and it has been throughout all generations, is that God's people should reveal his nature and character. We should be a people who, 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 who portray to the society round about the nature and character of God. Just as God is holy, pure, true, justice, righteous, so that should be the character that we portray to the generation round about. And that's what God's intention for the people of Israel were. 
They were supposed to declare his nature and character to the nations round about. But the period we look at is a very, very dark period for Israel. We read in Judges 6, 1 to 6, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, hills, strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, the Malachites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land, they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and they did not spare a living thing, for Israel neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to God for help. What a picture we have here of a nation. A nation that had entered into that promised land of God. That nation was suffering from anxiety, fear, uncertainty, homelessness. We see the pictures on television, don't we, of what the ravages of war does. How it decimates the country. How people suffer at the hands of the captives. How they suffer at the hands of the invaders. And these people lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their food. They lost all their possessions because of the force of the Midianites. And you know, under such deprivation, under such difficulties, eventually they cried out to God for help. Eventually they cried out to God. And God sent them a prophet who brought God's view of the situation to them. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the land of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Israel had turned its back on God Almighty, who had delivered them out of Egypt and brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey. Yet, yet despite all that God had done for them, they turned their back on him and turned in deliberate disobedience to God's demand. Now, this seems crazy to us, doesn't it? Why should these people who had so much, why should these people who God had done so much to for why should they turn their back on him? Well, I don't believe it was an instantaneous thing. Sometimes people turn their back on God quickly and instantaneously, but normally it's a slow drift, isn't it? Gradually, pride and self-sufficiency, well, you know, do we really need God? We've got this lovely food and we've got this lovely land. You know, gradually, God's provided all these things and, and then, you know, the other things come in. They've got other things to do. Neglect, apathy. Why, you know, what's the point in, in, in going through this? What? And then there's also the, the lure of other things. Well, God has said, I know it's wrong, but everyone else is doing it. Or, you know, that looks exciting. That looks as though it will give me more pleasure than just serving God. And gradually, these sort of things crept in. And they, they, they succumbed to the... the um, idol worship of the nations round about and all the evil practices that went on there, such as child um, sacrifice and, and ritual sexual abuse and all that sort of thing that went on. So that was the situation. God was judging his people. 
It may have been the Midianites, may have been the tool, but it was God who was causing them to suffer. He was crying out to them to come back to them, to him. It is in light of this situation that we meet our hero. We meet our hero, Gideon. So where do we find Gideon at this time? At this time when there's oppression, at this time of difficulty? You would expect a hero to be rising up, wouldn't you, valiantly pulling forward the forces. But no, the hero we find here is hiding away in a wine press, winnowing the corn to make a little bit of food for the family. And you can't winnow corn in the wine press. It has to be done in the open so that you throw up all the, 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 the corn and the, and the chaff blows away and you've got the corn that you want. But, but Gideon was hiding away in a, in a wine press, trying to winnow this corn and being suffocated with all the, the chaff and all the rest of it. So he's carrying away. It was a job that needed to be done in the open, but he was hiding away from the, the, the Midianites because he wanted to preserve the food that he was getting. But God spoke to, uh, to Gideon. God sent mess- an angel, or better translated, a messenger, not some huge, glorious, angelic being, but just an ordinary person. In fact, so much so ordinary that Gideon didn't even see that, recognize him as a messenger from God. And God can speak to us in many ways, can't he? Sometimes we close our minds to people speaking to us or God's, the ways in which God speaks to us. But we need to be open to hear what God is saying. So when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, can you imagine Gideon? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He would have gone, who's he talking to? I can't see, I can't see a mighty warrior around here. Wouldn't he? But this message was meant to be an encouragement for Gideon. Gideon probably, and God doesn't just look at what's in front of him. God saw the potential in Gideon. He knew that he was carrying away. He knew that he was frightened. But God saw that under his, with his authority and power, Gideon could be that mighty warrior. But Gideon reveals his true state of his heart when he replies to the Lord. How does Gideon reply? Well, to me, reading it, I think Gideon has a level of cynicism, sarcasm, and bitterness in his whiny reply. We read in verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replies, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and given us into the hands of Midian. Now, does that sound like a hero to you? But that's what happens, isn't it? When we go through difficulties, when we go through trials, when life isn't a bed of roses, when we have to suffer, then isn't that how we react? Where are you, God? Why me? Why is this happening to me? What have I done? I don't deserve this. Isn't that how we feel? Isn't that how... We interpret the difficulties and problems that come. But God was trying to speak to the nation. He was shaking them. And sometimes we need a good shaking, don't we? My mother used to say that to me. She says, you need a good shaking. Because sometimes we, get, we need to be shaken because we're, we're, we're in that situation where we're not listening to God. And he needs to shout to us. He needs to shout to us and get hold of our attention. And that's what he was doing to the nation of Israel. Through the difficulties, through the problems, God... God can use these things to bring us closer to himself. 
Although it's painful, although it's difficult, it's through those times that we grow most as a Christian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength of you, that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So God was telling Gideon that he would have his authority and power to deliver his people out of that oppression of the Midianites. Now what happened when Gideon received that news? Did he rise up in faith? No. He came out with the excuses like we saw from do when God challenges us to do something. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And in a sense, Gideon was, really, was, was right. He was. No one would listen to him. He couldn't call out the massive armies of the Israelites. He couldn't even call out the, the armies of his own tribe or even his own family to go and fight and win this battle. But God encourages him with a promise. The Lord answers, I will be with you and will strike down the, all the Midianites, leaving none alone. He was telling Gideon, the battle isn't yours, the battle is mine, and I will give you the victory. The victory is secure because you're going in my name and in my authority. But before Gideon could go and fulfill God's command, and when we look at the story of Gideon, he's an interesting character because he's continually wanting God to reaffirm his calling, reaffirm what he has said. Well, he wants all sorts of signs and proofs that God is with him. And I don't blame him. His life was on the line. You know, I don't blame him for wanting to be sure that what he was doing was what God was calling him, not his own whim. And sometimes we need to make sure that what God is calling us to is God's plan and purpose, not our own desires and ambitions. But the thing I want to stress this, this, this morning, this point I want to get across, is the first thing that Gideon had to do before he could go and fight the Midianites. To me, the next part of the story is key. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one with seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of the heights, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon was given the task. Gideon had to sort out the mess that him and his family and the nation had got into. He had to cut down the things that were dragging them away from God. That, uh, that Ashtoreth pole that spoke of the gods of Baal, the, that big altar. And it wasn't an easy thing to do. He had to take the bull, not only as a sacrifice, but first of all to rip down that altar that had been offered to the false god and to cut up the Ashtoreth pole. You know, before we can do anything with God, we need to sort our own lives out. We need to make sure there's nothing in our lives that's dragging us away. Um, Gideon's father was prominent in the, in the worship of Baal. He, he, Gideon had to take on, and, and at the risk of his own exclusion from his family and the, and, the, and the risk of being killed by his own tribesmen, his own village, Gideon had to cut down that pole. He had to be, he had to be clinical in cutting out the things in his life that were damaging his relationship with God. And I want to challenge us this morning. Gideon went out at night. 
He went out at night because he was fearful. But I want to challenge us to spend some time, perhaps one night this week, seeking God and saying, Lord, is there anything in my life that's hindering your work and plan and purpose being fulfilled in it? I want to say, Lord, take my life and take me on from where I am. And, and Lord, show me, because the Holy Spirit will. David said, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need God through the Holy Spirit to search us and try us and see if there's things that are preventing us from having a deeper relationship with him. Things that are inhibiting us from fulfilling the plan and purpose that God has got for us. Because it's only when we're in that state, it's only when there's no compromise, nothing in our, in our, in our lives that's pulling us back that God can fully use us to fulfill his plan and purposes. The time is nearly gone. But I want to say this, that God can use you. I remember when God gave me this message about eight years ago, I was in another church. And I really believed God was going to use me to speak at that church, this message to the young people. But I never got the opportunity. But the young people today, I want, to, I want you to be listening to this. Because I believe that as a generation, we have failed this nation. When I look around and see what's going on, it may be my age. I might be one of these, bold, these old people who always say it was always better in my youth. Perhaps I am. But I remember this nation being far more godly than it is now. I remember when we had godly, godly ministers in Parliament. When we used to say grace every time in school. When we used to have an assembly where someone used to speak the word of God to us. And yet all that has disappeared in this nation. And I believe as a generation, we have failed this generation. And I believe, young people, that you are the next generation. And I believe if you get alone with God and grab hold of what God wants for you, you can transform this nation. When I became a Christian, I went into the, uh, the library in Stafford, and it must have been the only Christian book that was in there. It was a book called In the Days of Thy Power by a guy called Arthur Wallace. And that book talks about the revival that happened in Wales. He traces the revivals and what's necessary in God's people to bring revival. And I believe this nation really needs revival. I believe there needs to be a turning back to God in this nation. So young people, I'd ask you to stir yourselves up. Get alone with God. Sort out the things that need to be dealt with. Make sure that what you believe is the truth. Because God's looking for people who can do extraordinary things. People as weak and as fearful as me and as you. People as weak and as fearful as Gideon and all the other great heroes of the Bible. God wants to use them. We can achieve anything for God if we met with him like Gideon did. He met with him and he knew his God. And then he dealt with the things in his life that needed dealing with. God wants us to reveal his character and nature to this society. Whether it's at school, at work, whether it's... Um, Wherever it is we are, he wants us to do things. And he wants us to change the society in which we are by getting involved in things like politics, by things like education, by things like the health service, these areas where we've allowed the enemy to come in. We need to make sure, first of all, that we are commissioned by God. We need to make sure we have the anointing of God upon our lives, that we're being led by the Holy Spirit, not doing our own thing. But when, we've, when we're in that place with God, let's hear what he's saying. And you know, God can achieve anything through his people who are committed to him. Amen.